Help of Hashem, we are learning about the Kama Daf Tzadik Zayin. We left off on Daf Tzadik Zayin, Amidalov, all the way on top of the Amid. We quoted yesterday a Rab Chanina Barabdimi in the name of Rav that said, Halachi Kirav Meir. Now, what he meant by saying Halachi Kirav Meir is really that Avadim are like Karka. In other words, the Mishnah spoke about a person who sold a slave and the slave got old. And that is a irreversible change. And normally the rule is that by a irreversible change, the Gazlan or the Ganaf acquires that item. And all they have to do is pay back the value of that item as it was when they stole it. However, being that slaves are like Karka, and by real estate the rule is Karka non exelis. In other words, it always remains to be under the ownership of the original owner. So the Ganaf or the Gazlan, all they need to do is return the slave as he is now old, and to say, And as we just spoke out, that even though he said, in his girsa, really the, the names were reversed. But the Nakuda was, is that, av, uh, that he holds, that av paskins, that avadim are like real estate. So, on top of did Rav say, And therefore it cannot be stolen. And therefore, even if it underwent an irreversible change, the Ganeth, the Gazlin, can tell the original owner, it can be. Why? In the name of Rav, if a person seizes someone else's slave, and they did work with it, and then they return the slave. So it was said in the name of Rav, that Potter, that the Ganeth is not liable to pay for the work. Now let's remember the following, that when an article is stolen, as we learned yesterday, all the Gazlan has to do is return that article, and not more. In other words, it doesn't have to pay for rent. But that's only if the article that he stole was changed, so the Gazlan owns it, so when he worked with it, he worked with his own article. And now to fulfill the mitzvah of returning the theft, returning that which he robbed, he returns it. And rent he doesn't have to pay. But if we're going to hold, if Rav holds, that Avodim are like real estate, which means it was never taken away from the ownership of the original owner, it never belonged to the Gazlin, so he should have to pay for rent. He worked with something that was not his. Being that the Avodim will always remain under the, its original owner. Why not pay rent? Answers the Gemara Askinon. No, Rav said that Avadim are like Karka. And yes, the Evid therefore always belong to its original owner. Why don't you have to pay for anything? Because the case, the other case that was quoted in the name of Rav was that the person wrongfully grabbed the slave. However, he didn't grab the slave during the time that the slave was going to be working for its real owner depriving the real owner from that work and Taka then having to pay him for that deprivation he stole the slave, he seized the slave when the slave was not working anyway since the slave was not working anyway so now this is like the case that Rab Abba asked the question to Mari Barmar that boy he asked him, we had this earlier on the he asked that ask of Rafuna. If a person lived in someone else's property without their knowledge, without their consent. And as we spoke when we learned over there, we're speaking about a person, the occupant, who wrongfully stayed there, was seeking a place for rent. He, he is going to pay rent. The owner does not rent out this premise. So it's not that the owner would have rented it out. And now that someone squatted there, the squatted deprived the owner from receiving money. The owner was not going to rent it out. The occupant was going to pay rent. He needed to pay rent. He wasn't the person who could have, you know, crashed by his friend. And here he went ahead and he squatted in this piece of estate. So the question is, Does he have to pay or not? What was the question? What, what is this question contingent on? That was the concept we learned at Nafchaf Aleph. This is called The occupant, the wrongful occupant, is benefiting. If he wouldn't have had this place, he would have paid in another place. But the owner is not losing anything because he wasn't planning to rent it out regardless. 
and v'shol chulei, and the response that they got from Ravuna was, a in sorech lahalus leisachar, he does not have to pay rent from there. We learned the rule that when you have zenehene, the zeloi chaser. So then the one who is Nehenna doesn't have to compensate the one who anyways would not have gotten compensation. So therefore here also, yes, Avda Kamekarka, it was never really stolen. And therefore it really was always the owners. Let's say Reuven is the one that used the slave. Why does he not have to pay him rent or pay him for a time? Because the owner wouldn't have used the slave then anyway. Zeloi Chaser. Yes, you benefited. You're part You don't have to pay. Asks the Gemara, How can you compare the case of the slave to the case of real estate? In the real estate, as we learned earlier on, that there is a benefit that the owner of that real estate has by the fact someone is living there. And we had two ways of wording it. That an inhabited house remains habitable when someone lives there. Like Rashi speaks out, because when something breaks in the house, the current occupant will repair it. And when you repair something before it becomes into a huge problem, you actually prevent huge problems from happening. So therefore there is a benefit, which is why he doesn't have to pay. It's not only because Zanahen of Azalei Or Nicha. So that's good. Nichole, the owner of the house, wants you to live there. He doesn't admit it. But now that you were there, there was a benefit. Then there was another Manda Amr that quoted the Pasik in Yeshaya. Ushi'iya, Shi'iya, we taiched, is the name of a demon. Yukas Sha'ar tears down the gate. When a house is not lived in, there are certain spiritual negative forces that destroy it. Which is why physically then other highest common, they destroy the house. So be that as it may, someone living in a house that would not have been occupied brings benefit for the house. Maybe that's why they're the occupant who should not have been there. But now that he was there, doesn't have to pay for rent. However, Nicholai, El Achi over here, me, Nicholai, the Nikhush Avdei, will the owner of the slave want for a slave to be weakened? This was the slave's off time. The slave should rest. So the answer, this is important. Tachinami, no, here also Nicholai. Why the loyalistere after a person doesn't want for a slave to become habituated into laziness? You know, when a person does physical work every day, doing physical work is good for them. It maintains the health in their body. When the person doesn't, you know, a person breaks a limb today, you don't walk, you don't this, your, your muscles are lost. And then to build it back up, it takes a long time. So there is also benefit. So therefore, since it's Zenehenev, it's because the owner of the slave during that time would not have used the slave anyway and the person who sees the benefit there's really some benefit to the master the slave was working so therefore he doesn't have to pay says the Gemara the household of Rabbi Yosef Barchama that you would seize other people's slaves which people's slaves would they seize the Masik Bohuzuze people who owe them money so people who owed the money, before they were paying, they would seize their slave, and they would work with them. Oh, but obviously, again, they would only do that when those slaves were not working for their masters anyway. So this was a minute of the beta. They, they would not take this for a payment, but you owe me money until you pay me. You're delaying payment, and the viola, I'm using your slave when you're not using it. Amalei, either Rabba or Rabba. Let's go with the version of Rabba, his son. You know, the Rabbi Yisim's son's Rabba told his father, and this obviously respectfully, my Tama Abed Marachi, you know, father, why are you doing this? Amalei, so he told him, you know, how can you do this? Right? Amalei, the Amar of Nachman, Abda, Nahoim, Kereisei Loishavi, that a slave is not worth the bread in the stomach. In other words, the, the value of the work that a slave does is not more than the food you feed him. I, why do people have slaves? If the food that you're giving them is equal to the work, notice they're not working more than the food, people have slaves for convenience. But I'm not taking any value because when, that's what the father was saying, when I seized those slaves, I was feeding them. That compensated for the work. 
Amalei, so his son, so Rav, let's say Rav, told his father, no. Eba the Amar Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman was only speaking about his slave. Rav Nachman had a mazel to have a slave called Daru, that Daru Avdei de Merake de Kuvei, that all he did the whole day was he used to dance in taverns. He was like a comedian. And he used to drink wine there. And there the wine that he drank was just as valuable as the service that he provided. And therefore, you know, he expressed his frustration. No, it's good to have a slave for convenience, but I'm not benefiting anything. Yeah, he provides a service, but I have to pay him for his wine. However, Kula Abdi, Ma'abdi, Abdi, but all other slaves, no, they, 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 their work is worth more than the food that you feed them. So you're benefiting. You're benefiting from something that doesn't belong to you. How can you do that? So Armalei, to which the father responded to his son, I know, Rab Daniel Svidali. Ah, now he quoted this Rab Daniel, that I said in the name of Rab, the Amad Daniel, Bar Rab, Ketino, in the name of Rab, that if one seizes someone else's slave during the time that he was not working for his master, you're pater. And this concept of zenehena, v'zeloi chaser, and there is some added benefit. Alma, People do not want for their slaves to be habituated to becoming lazy. So I'm allowed to do it. So for this, his son told him, That is only correct when the one who's doing the seizing is not someone who has money owed to him. But Mar, my father, my master, Kivan the Masik since you are seizing slaves, Dafka from people who owe you money. At the end of the day, they will also pay you back. So what are you getting at the end? You're getting your money back. And on top of that, you got some services from their slaves. That is Mexican Kiribis. That looks like Kiribis. No, because before we were not speaking about someone who had a prior debt. So he's saying that you can do it from anyone, but not from someone who owes you money. And that's Takah Dahalacha, when we learned the Sugi of Ribis. And then we can go on Chabad.Solo.com and go to Rabbi Tauber's classes in Halacha. We had a Gavaldika series here of Ribis. That means that if, I, that means if you owe me money during that period, you, are, you should not do things for me that otherwise you would not have done. Because it looks like ribis. It looks like ribis. Right. You may have a name of Rab Nachman. And the same thing was said. That if one lives in someone else's property, again, the, the owner of the property was not planning to rent it out. The occupant or the squatter was going to pay rent. He didn't have a better for free option. So the squatter is benefiting. But the owner is not losing, he would not have rented it out. And even though we learned, therefore, he doesn't have to pay him rent. However, that's only if they had no prior relationship where one owes money to the other. But if, but if the person, the squatter, first lent money to the owner, and then, and then if he lives there, he will have to pay him rent. Because, so how can you do that? So Amar Lei said, Rabbi Yosef, debate Rabbi Yosef, right, Bar Chama told his son, how did it be? I talk and retract. You're right, my son. From now on, I will no longer do it. Mechsa Kiribis. Now, Mechsa Kiribis doesn't mean he has to return money or pay retroactively for the money. If a person, God forbid, takes Kiribis, they have to return the Kiribis. We don't say that over here, but from now on, he won't do it anymore. I wouldn't say that squatting is fine. Yeah, very good. I would say that, yeah, not that it's fine. You don't have to pay for rent once you did it. And again, that's only, I mean, that's only if the owner would not have been renting it out. That's a big difference because if the owner would have rented it out and he cannot because someone is there, then it's Nehenna Vezechaset. Zechaset, you gotta pay. You have to pay. Right. It what we learned. If a person seized a boat, a yacht that belonged to his friend, his friend, someone else, and he benefited from it. So what are the issues? Amarav says Rav Gavaldik that if the owner wants he demands rent. 
Ratzav, the owner wants pechasonoitel, he takes the depreciation. Now let's explain the following. When a person rents out articles, the, the, the person who rented it has to pay rent. But if there was a depreciation that comes because of him simply doing that which he said he'll be doing with that article, you don't have to pay for that. But, however, if a person steals, as we learned, rent he doesn't have to pay. He just has to return the article that he took. That's our whole sugya. But on the other hand, if anything happens to it, even if it was bo'inus, you have to pay for it, because who asked you to be a ganeth? So over here, says Rab Gavaldik, that the owner of the boat gets to choose what type of payment he wants. Obviously, what will make him choose one more than the other? It depends what happened. If the boat was not depreciated, then he'll want rent. But if something happened to the boat and the amount of depreciation is more than the money you can get for rent, then I'll say, I want depreciation. In other words, the owner can tell that person, I get to choose whether I'm going to look at you as a gazlan, pay me for depreciation, but the rent I can't take from you. Or I'll look at you as someone who rented it, pay me rent. Shmuel says, no, since there was no permission, so therefore the guy is a ganav. A ganav doesn't pay rent, that's what we're learning. A ganav, all the ganav needs to do is to return the article that he took. Now obviously, if there was depreciation for that, he has to pay. Amar Papa says, that really Rav and Shmuel don't disagree. Rav, allowing the owner to pick whatever is more convenient for the owner, is speaking about a person the Avidala Agra that has that boat for rent. And since he rents out that boat, even though the Ganaf is a Ganaf or a Gazlan, the owner gets to say, No, no, you, I will deal with you like you're a renter. And pay rent if that's more beneficial. Ha Shmuel was speaking about a scenario, the Avidala Agra, that the owner never rents out the boat. So he can never relate to him as a renter. The only option is that if the boat was depreciated, that the Ganaf has to pay. Or I'll tell you, the first white line, No, Rav and Shmuel are speaking about someone who rents out their boats, or rents out this boat. If the Ganaf who went into the boat himself decided to pay rent, if he went in there as someone who's renting, that's the case of Rav, then the owner has an option of saying, okay, good, I'm asking, pay me rent. The owner doesn't have to do that. The, uh, well, he went in there and he used the boat as a renter. Whether he will pay, whether he won't pay, no, he, he planned to use it and to return it. Let me word it that way. He never planned to steal it. But, oh, he sees the boat, in order to steal it. If that was his kavana, then the, the owner can never relate to him. So imagine, the Ganav is the one that's setting. Now, how do we know what he had in his mind? Akasha. Okay, say that, but just the concept. Now, going back to the Mishnah. And here's where we started to learn in the Mishnah, aside of the dinim that we learned until now regarding irreversible damage, reversible damage, we started to learn in the Mishnah regarding a hezek she'enenikir, whether the Ganav did a damage, there's a change, but it's a non-discernible change. And the seemingly the Mishnah differentiated that if he stole the coin, the Nizdak, and the coin cracked, that's a discernible change. He cannot return that coin to him. He has to pay him the value of the coin. But if he stole the coin, that's what the Mishnah says, and it became puzzle, it became disqualified. We have to clarify what does it mean that the coinage became disqualified since the coin is still the same coin. He gives him back that coin. So Gemara wants to clarify the Mishnah. B'chulei. Says the Mishnah, says the Gemara, Omar Afuna. That Nizdak, when the Mishnah spoke about the case of a coin cracked, Nizdak Mamish, it means that Mamish cracked, so it changed. And therefore, he cannot give him back the cracked coin. Nifsal, when the Mishnah contrasted that with the case that the coin became disqualified, what does that mean? Pesolatu Malchus, that the government disqualified this currency. No, the currencies had inherent value. Silver was silver. On top of that, there was a certain image of the king which gave that coin a specific value. In many cases, the coin did, was not given additional value. In many cases, as we learn, God willing, in next daf, that like a U.S. dollar of silver. The weight of silver is the weight of the value of the dollar. But how do you know it weighs the ounce? The fact that it has a U.S. picture on it, U.S. government, that authenticates it. It's like a diamond 
it has the value anyway, but it's the, the marking that you have on the diamond that is like a, now you know that it's taked that quality and therefore you know the market value. But in any event, the coin had value because of the government minting it. If the government comes out and says that then we don't want to use this mint anymore, you got to get another type of coin. That's the meaning of a coin that was disqualified. That is Rafuna. Rabbi Yehuda says that pisolatu malchus, that if the government said that this coinage is not good anywhere, that's just like it's correct. Now here we have an amazing concept. Is this something that's noticeable or not? On one hand you can argue it's not noticeable. The coin didn't change. On the other hand it is noticeable. Why? The Gemara is going to speak it out. Because everyone knows that it's disqualified. Knows when it came to Chamed, Shavar Olav Pesach, for example, you don't know that this Chamed went through Pesach being owned by a Jew. It's completely not discernible. Here, it didn't change, but that picture, that name, is no longer good. So, asks the Gemara on Rav Yehuda that if a disqualified coin is considered as if it's correct, hey, Chidami, the case of the mission of Nifsal, where you're allowed to return the coin, so he explained that there were times that a coin is not disqualified, let's say, by the federal government. It's only disqualified by the state government. Which means if you can't use it in this state, you can use it in another state. In Texas, they will no longer use dollars. They're going to use coins, silver and gold. So if you have a dollar bill in Texas, maybe you can't use it there. But go to the neighboring state and use it in the other place. However, the is. That is where the Mishnah says that the Goslin gets to return it. It's not about it's not being discernible. There's no damage. There's no damage at all because it's still valuable in another location. So, so I'm sorry. Yes. According to Rabbi Yehuda, what's the case where the guy can t- turn to him and say, hey, here's your, your, your money back. This is what I stole. In this case. Where the currency only in one place. So therefore, not only was there... Yes. That even if it's disqualified everywhere, since there's no physical change in the coin, the Ganav can still give it back. How they paid us if he had fruits, that they rotted. Give it back. Biyayin, that became vinegar. Mishnah spoke. Why, how is this different than the government saying that the coin is not good? You can't use it anymore. But the, but the wine is still here. Just that it became vinegar. And nevertheless, the Mishnah says, To which he responded, how can you compare? In the case of wine, in the case of fruits, there is an actual change. The taste changed. The scent changed. But here, by my coin, yes, the government disqualified it, but physically there's no change. And likewise, we have on the opposite. Now we're going to challenge Rav Yehuda. Here it's good to know this. Omar either Rav to Rav Yehuda. Here the Mesayda Sashas amends it to Rabba. And he quotes, if you remember in Kedusha 9 Beis, we quoted the Pasuk in Kehelos, that Bezorach HaShemesh, Shubo HaShemesh, how when one Sadiq passes away, there's another, another one in the world. So there the Gemara quoted that when Rav Yehuda was born, I'm sorry, that when Rav Yehuda passed away, Rabba was born. So Rabba never lived together with Rav Yehuda. So therefore, if Rabba is not asking Rabbi Yehuda, Rabba is the one asking. Rabbi Rabba was the teacher of Rabba. So therefore, he lived before him. That's Rabba Bar Nachmeni. So Rabba asked Rabbi Yehuda, Lididach, the Amrat Yuhu, say that Pesolatu Malchus, Namohainu Nizdak, that even if, if the government disqualifies it from everywhere, then he can't return the coin. It's like it's cracked. So how is this different than Truma that became Tommy? That the Mishnah says, but however, when it comes to Truma that becomes Tomei, the Ganav could return it. Answers Rav Yehudam. By the case of Truma, it's mamish, not discernible. You, no one would know that the Truma is Tomei. Only if the person is honest. But there's nothing, no one can know. But over here, here you can recognize it. Nothing changed but by the fact that this coin has a picture of Washington and they say that this is no longer good, everyone knows it's noticeable that this coinage is not good. Itmar was stated, now we're starting in Usugya. Connected. We're going to learn this out of the way Rashi learns it. If a person, this is Rashi, if a person lent a, a thing to someone else, 
So let's give an example. A person lent wheat to someone else. But he told the borrower that when you return, you don't have to return wheat. I'm giving you a pound of wheat. I want you to return to me money. And they specified, for example, these will be the numbers, I want you to give me back 10 salaim, 10 salas. And he agreed. And then, that coinage, that sela was put out of currency. I grew up in Brazil, it happened the whole time. Cruzeiro, Cruzado, Cruzado Novo, Real, they, every few years because of inflation, they made a new coinage. So they said, you know what, the old sela is not good, a new sela. Okay, so now the question is, what does the borrower have to return? Because they specified, I'm giving you back 10 salaim. Does he have to give back 10 new salaim? Or can he give him back the 10 old salaim? So Rabbi Omar turning to Ahmed, that he, he has to pay him with the seller that is valid when he returns the money. Look inside the top Rashi. Right. He agreed not to pay him back with wheat. He's going to pay him back with, with a coin. And if he's going to use the old Salayim, that's not a seller because it was disqualified. However, back in the Gemara, that if there is a case, for example, the country called Meishan, which was distant from where they lived in Babel. And people over there still used old currencies. Because don't forget that the currencies had inherent value. So even though people here don't use the old coinage, if there is a Meishan place that uses the old coinage, Shmuel says that then the person can give him back the old coins. That's what we made up. And it has value. It doesn't have value here. Go spend it over there. Just Lahoya that we remember we learned in Kedushan. Remember that Danny in Dafyud Bays? Yeah. Same Shmuel? That if a man gave a woman Kedushan with a, a date and the date is not worth a pruta here, so Shmuel says that uh, at least Chayshinim le Kedushan. Why? Because Shema, Shema Pruta, Bemadai. Might be worth a pruta in another location. Maybe it's similar to this. So now comes along Rav Nachman and he qualifies Shmuel. Says Rav Nachman that Mestabra Milsa the Shmuel, you know where we'll accept Shmuel, you know where it makes sense? In a, in a scenario, the Islay Urchalamezalamation, that the lender, the one to whom the money is owed, is anyways planning to go there. So the borrower can tell the lender, we made up to give you 10 Salaim. At that time, it was the old Salaim. You're going there anyway, so let me give you back 10 old Salaim. But if he's not planning to go there, then, then, the, then Shmuel will not say his din, or we don't pass him like Shmuel in that case. So ask, hold on. We learned in Abraisa regarding Maisr Shani, as we learned continuously, that if a person during the first second and during the fourth and the fifth year of the Shemitah cycle, when the person separates the Maisr Shani, if they live far from Yerushalayim and they cannot carry the fruit, they cannot carry the produce. They have an option of redeeming the produce on coin, on money. And it has to be dafka v'tzarta hakesev. It has to be not on silver, on a minted coin. And they take the coins to Yerushalayim. And in Yerushalayim, they use that money dafka for food or for drink. So it says in Abraisa, Ein in You cannot redeem the transfer, the kedusha of the produce on coins if those coins are now no longer in currency. And the Brayse gives an example, Ketzer. Ben Koiziva, Rashi says over here, refers to the coins that they made during the revolt of Ben Koiziva, who was nicknamed Bar Kochba. He was called Bar Kochba because the Torah, speaking about Mashiach, calls him Darach Koichav Meyakov. That from Yaakov will come forth a star. So he made his own coins. That was part of his revolt. He made his own uh, in the autonomous, independent Jewish state. So if a person now, when the Braises were written, his revolt was already quashed. So those coins then had no more value. So the Braises says if a person has the Ben Koziva coins, or if a person has other coinages, that were used by prior kings, but now they're not in currency. So the Braises says, Ein Michalolin, that you cannot redeem the Mois Maeser Sheni on it. 
says the Gemara, we're picking examples of coins that don't have any value anywhere. What, what can we infer? But if there are coins of later kings, but they are like the old ones, meaning that they're not used here, but they're used in other places, then Luchura Mechalalim. Now this goes against Rav Nachman, because what is Rav Nachman saying? That it's only if you're going there, here it seems that as long as there is a place in the world where this coin is being used, you can redeem Maiser Sheni money on it. It's still considered coins. And don't forget, by Maiser Sheni, it's not enough for it to have value. It has to be Kesef. That Sarto HaKesef Yotcha means it has to have a Tzura. Once we'll get to it in a second. Before we come to Yerushalayim. Amalei, so that Nachman responded, that you know what the Bryce is talking about. Kishayin Malchias Makpida Yisrael Zoi. Very good. It's not. It's not when the kings, when the governments did not make illegal owning other coinages, foreign currencies, then uh, it has value everywhere. Because it can even be used in Yerushalayim. That's why you can redeem it. The only thing that the Bryce says you cannot use are coins that are, that are not used by anyone. But when Shmuel and Avnachman was qualifying Shmuel's din, that was speaking about a scenario where in Mishan, in Meishan, the coins are good. Here, the governments don't allow you to have it. So the Gemara says that also doesn't work so good. Because, Is, is Shmuel speaking about a case where the governments taka disallow you? If they disallow you, How can you even contemplate paying with a coinage that's illegal? The government will confiscate it. So the Gemara right away qualifies. Look how nothing changed. That it, there are different madregas in the governments not allowing. Many times, governments don't allow, they're not going to go search for other currencies. If they'll find it, they'll confiscate it, which was the case. Says the Gemara, the mamti lo al In other words, it's good, bidiyevit, meaning, the loy bachashoi, the government doesn't search for us. However, bi but if they find it, kapti, don't confiscate it. So that's the case. So when the governments allow you to have other people's currencies, very much like the world we live in today, so that's why the Mishnah says, the Braisa says, that what currency cannot be used? A currency that's not used anywhere. But as long as it's used somewhere, like today you are in Yerushalayim, you have a coin from any country in the world, it has value even in Yerushalayim. Go to the bank and exchange it. So it's a currency. Shmuel was speaking about a case where the governments wouldn't confiscate it looking for it, that if they'll find it, they'll take it away. So therefore, we had this concept that if you're planning to travel there, they're not going to take it away from you. So for you, it's valuable. You can pay the debt back with it. But if you're not planning to travel there, and here it's not used, and here if they'll find it, they'll take it away, then you can't pay your debt with it. Toshima, again, Akash, again, Shmuel, we learned. That's what Rav Nachman says. That's still not good. That's what Rav Nachman said, because what value does it have to you? Like, Toshima, we learned in Abraisa, Akash, again, Shmuel, Ein mechalin al shal kan bubble. Again, we're speaking about Maiser Sheni. And if a person had coins from Eretz Yisrael, but the person and the coins are in Babel, parenthetically, we don't care where the fruits are. You can redeem the fruits of Maiser Sheni regardless where the fruits are. But if a person was in Babel, and the person has coins of Eretz Yisrael, and the person wants to redeem the Kedusha of Maiser Sheni, of his produce, on these coins says the Braisa, you cannot do that. Likewise, this shall bubble the Hinkan. If a person has coins that are Babylonian coins, but the person isn't at its Yisrael, then you cannot redeem it on coins, because here those coinages are not used. However, says the Braisa, shall bubble the Hinkan bubble, but if you have coins from bubble, and you are in bubble, you can redeem it, even though, where will you use these coins? In Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim, we're going to see, did, did they use it? Did they not use it? We'll get to that in a second. So what's the question? In any event, it says, that you cannot use coinages from Eretz Yisrael when you are in bubble. You cannot redeem my shady money. 
What did Rav Nachman explain in Shmuel? That if you're planning to go to Meishan, then those coins for you are valuable, then that for, that for sure should be good. Yeah, you are in bubble right now, but you're going to take the money to Yerushalayim because you have to. That's the whole point of Chilol Mois Meisr Sheni. Nevertheless, it says in the Brayse that if it's here, not currency, you cannot use it. So Takash against Shmuel answers the Gemara Hachavamayaskinan. The Brayse was speaking about a case Kishemalchiyos Makpida Izualzu. Same type of answer that when the governments did not allow you to use currencies from other countries, that's why you cannot redeem it because even if you're planning to go to Yerushalayim. You won't be able to do anything with it. And that's going to be the key here. However, So now let's explain the final case of the Braisa. Hold on. If that's the case, why did the Braisa say that if the coins are Babylonian coins and you are now in bubble, you could use it? If we're speaking about a case that they did not allow you in Yerushalayim to use the currency of bubble, how can you use it? For that answers the Gemara. Gavaldik think. If you're going to redeem the produce on coins of bubble, while you are in bubble, and you know that those coins cannot be used in Yerushalayim, you will talk and not take those coins to Yerushalayim. And that goes on to Amachloikas Tanoim, but our Braise here holds like the Tanoim, that I am allowed to take the coinages, buy a living animal, I'm using living animal because it stays fresh, walk the animal from bubble to Yerushalayim, and boom, I got my food. So therefore, your exchange will be functional. But when can you do it again? Only if you're exchanging it in a place that recognizes that currency, that Lomai Chazu, that Chazu, the Zavin, Buhu Behema, the person in bubble will buy an animal, and he'll take the animal to Yerushalayim. So the Kitzah Shmuel stands his ground. Okay. We go to Very good. Ay, vehotanya yiskinu shiyu. The Bach adds the words kol hamoyz yoytzeis birushalayim mepneikach. That we learned in a brayso regarding the mitzvah of giving a half a shekel. And as we learned that a half a shekel, it's not about how much is the half a shekel worth. You have to give half of your current currency, half a dollar, a half a real, a half of shekel. So we learned in a brayso that people were allowed to give half of whatever their main currency was from wherever they lived. People gave half a shekel from anywhere in the world. And therefore, since there were so many different types of half of currencies in Yerushalayim, they instituted that all coinages should be used in Yerushalayim. So one second, we learn in Abraisa that, that Yerushalayim was a city that accepted coinages from the whole world. That makes sense. Yerushalayim is the center of the world. Jews are spread over all over the world. So when you come to Yerushalayim, even practically, Yerushalayim, more than any other city, is an international city. Belongs to the Jews, but who's there? All peoples. So all currency should be used there. So why, again, are you telling me that they're... Mak- How can you have another Braise that is implying that you couldn't use the coins of bubble in Yerushalayim when everything should be allowed to be used there? So Rav Zeta says, that's not a question. Now, it's, by Jewish law, Yerushalayim needs to accept all currencies. But there were times that Yerushalayim wasn't under Jewish ownership. On the Jewish severity. The Braise that we just read, that all currencies should be valid and are valid in Yerushalayim, is Bizman, that Shiyad Yisrael Takif When we were the dominated ones. Right? However, Khan, Bizman, Shiyad Umasoilam Takif al Atzman. Here's when the Goyim are ruling over themselves. That's a euphemism. We don't even say that the Goyim are ruling over us, but in such a case, you cannot. Deconsecrate Meister Shani in Yerushalayim on currency of bubble during a time that they didn't use the currency of bubble in Yerushalayim. And especially by Meister Shani, again, where the trader tells you that it can only be deconsecrated on a minted coin from the words Vetsarto Yerushalayim. How does the coin of Yerushalayim look? They minted coins in Yerushalayim. And on it, they had David and Shleim on one side, and Yerushalayim Irakoidish. And the city or the skyline of Yerushalayim, Mitzad Achad on the other side. Now, here we have, and we spoke about this way back, the final Tosfos in the Amid, we have a Machlekes here, 
as to what does it mean that they had David and Shlema on one side. The issues here has to do with creating an image of a human being. Especially if it is a protruding image. That's much worse than the picture that we have today. It's relatively new. When it comes to a protruding image, it might be a prohibited under you know, the severe prohibitions connected to Avay Dezara. So, trace was in the bottom. But let's, let's finish one more line in the Braisa. The Ezeo Madeash al Avinu. There was coins of Abraham Avinu. What does this coin look like? So says the Braisa, Zokin was the Kenim Itzad Echot. There was an old man and an older woman on one side. Ubachar Upsula and a young man and woman. Mitzad Achar on the other side. Now, interestingly, before we get to the Traisvis, we jumped ahead. Bachar Upsula, right? You see, it's like five or six lines from the bottom. Who's the Bachar and Upsula? Yitzchak and Nivka. Who's the Zakin and Zakena? Avram and Sarah. That's what Rashi says. So quickly, reading the Marsha, the Marsha, Kedar Koi, he had the wide shoulders to disagree with uh, Rishonim. The Marsha many times disagrees with Rashi. You know, the Rishonim all had Ruach HaKadosh. That's what makes Rishon completely beyond our approach. And uh, in our tradition, the Marsha, that's technically from the era of the Achreinim, the Marsha had Ruach HaKadosh. And he's arguing with Rashi. So I'm reading inside the Marsha Chadush HaGadosh. So he quotes Rashi, Madesh al Avram Avinu Zakanu 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 Right? She wondered, I'm old, my husband is old. And part of the miracle of them having children wasn't only that a 90-year-old woman became pregnant. is that she physically became young. So here we're going to learn that not only did she become young, it has to be that Avram Avinu became young. Because what blessing is there to Avram Avinu? An old man with a young wife doesn't work for either of them. So when she got young, when the wife gets young, you better get young. It's not that, you know, it's a lose-lose. So he also got young. So they both became Bachram and Psulais. Amazing. So that, that was the coin they made for Avram Avinu. On one side they were old. An old man and an old woman. And on the other side it was a young Bachar and a young woman. And they're both Avram and Sarah. Same couple. Same couple. So now says Toysvis. He quotes the Medrish. The last Toysvis in the Ovid. That the Bereshus Rabbah Darish. That when Hashem told Avram Avinu and Lech Lecha, that you should travel. I will make your name great. How did Hashem make Avram Avinu's name great? That his image was minted and out in the world. The greatness of his name was is that they made his image, they put his image on coins and that is how his name became great. Not only people heard of his name, people knew what he looked like. No, we're living in a world where this is more common because of, you know, pictures and technology today. But that was a uniqueness. So everyone knew what he looked like. And what was the minted coin? That's this b'raisa. It seems from Taisvis that this is regarding all like the marshal, like Abraham Avinu. Because he writes, what was the minitin? That is the image was on it. So now says Taisvis Vinira that I want you to know that Lehoya Boy Tsura Zakan Zakena that don't think it was his actual form on one side, Bakhrab Sula Mikan. Why Taisvis holds the Asur Lasis Suras Adam? One is not allowed to make the image of a human being. The fame that he had was you had his name or you had the words Zakanu Zakena, Bakhrab Sula. And Toysvis says the same thing as with David and Shlomo. So Toysvis is of the opinion that it wasn't their image. Many of the this would be with Toysvis. If I can't, they learn Pshat in the Bereshis that what's his, his fame, his fame is his name. Who's making the coins? Who's making his coin? That's a great question. Who made the coin for Abraham Avinu? So was he a government? Or... If the government was doing it, then why would Toysvis have a question? Because the government... Very good. The government kept the several images of and this is connected to Avay Zorah. And Avraham Avinu would not allow that to happen. Okay. The kids are today. You have... Uh, today that you can have pictures of people. Well, pictures, all the G'dayli Yisrael... 
so one second. So first of all, Pikabala, it says clearly that when you have a, your image taken here, it has some sort of negative effect on you. For you. It keeps, it keeps your neshama here more than it needs to be. One second. However, however, since there's a benefit for the public to see the image of a tzaddik, so therefore the fact is that there were some great G'dayli Yisrael in the prior generation when pictures became commonplace that hesitated and they did not allow their image to be taken. But the Rebbe spoke about the Friedrich Rebbe that he allowed it to happen for the benefit of others. So even though there's some sort of detriment to one, obviously you cannot go against halacha. What's more problematic is when you mint, and again, when you mint, when you protrude an image. The people that say that it's permitted, they say it's permitted because it's dafka not perfect. So there has to be some sort of imperfection there for it to be allowed to happen. This is a big sugya, but coming back to our b'raith, um, what is the b'raith saying? That... Um, okay, so we quoted that this is the coin of Yerushalayim. Says the Gemara, boy, coming back to the same sugyon. This is the same, the same that we had before. That if a person, according to Rashi, lent merchandise, that's key. And there's a big machlekes Rashi in Tresus, but bekitzer. In this case, when you lend merchandise and you tell the borrower, I want you to pay me back, and you fix a price, and now they change the coinage. But now we're going into a detail that the new cellar is larger than the old cellar. There's more silver in it. So I lent you wheat and I told you, you know what, pay me back, let's say 10 cellars. The new cellars have more silver. As we'll see in a moment, you know, the, it can be a scenario that the new cellars, eight will have the same weight of 10 of the old. So what do you have to pay back? Mahum. So Amaloi, to which Rabchizda responded, Rabchizda responded like Rav, or let me say better, Rashi says that the boya was Lashitas Rav. According to Rav that said on top of the Amid, that you pay back with the new currency. So now the question is, what happens if the new currency is larger? To which Rabchizda answers, you still pay back with the new currency. It doesn't make a difference. So he asked him one second, even if the new currency is as large as a sieve, it can be a lot more silver. Yeah, that's what the Rav holds. You pay back 10 sella, you got to pay back 10 sella. Tartia is even a larger utensil. These are just size, sizes. Even if the coin is huge, so it doesn't make sense. The produce, it will be cheaper. In other words, with these large coins, one coin can buy back, can buy a lot more of wheat. Let's give my example of produce. Let's say it was a pound of produce. At the time that it was lent, it was worth 10 cellars. So the lender tells the borrower, I'm lending you a pound of wheat, give me back 10 cellars. If, according to Rav, according to Rav Chizde, even if the new salayim are much larger, he has to return 10 new salayim, those 10 new salayim, because of the increase in silver, can buy then a lot more than one pound of wheat. So therefore, like Rashi says in the last words of the homage, it's Mama Sharibis. I lent something, I lent one pound of wheat, I'm getting back money that can buy two pounds of wheat. So that's Sharibis issue. So Amar Ravashi, so Ravashi says the following, Chazin, and we have to look into the following, if the produce is cheaper because of the increase in silver, then you're right. No, it's if Taka, the, the, the value of produce did not fluctuate. But it is because of the additional silver in the coin that you can buy more wheat. That's takaribis. And therefore, menakinle, you reduce. Like I explained, if then it was worth 10 sella, and 10 sella buys, let's say, a pound of wheat, now if 8 sella, because it's larger, buys the same pound, he only has to give back 8 sella. Because there's a ribis issue. That's sadikhes. However, the imachmas tarazil, but let's not forget, says Ravashi, that there are times that for the same 10 sella, you can buy more wheat, not because the slime are larger, but because there was a good rain season. So there's more produce. So the commodity became cheaper. If the commodity became cheaper, then there's never a ribis issue. That's important. We made up to pay me back 10 sella. I l- you have to give back 10 sella. Then let me not like, one second. Even, so now we're clarifying that if the new coinages that have more silver... The current is able, but but then you it, adjust and not be able to pay. 
if the if the current if the currency now let's put it like this if the currency now can only buy anyways the same amount of wheat then you have to pay back lirab with the with the new currency the problem is even if the 10 new seller cannot buy more wheat than the 10 old seller but at the end of the day you're giving back more silver that's the problem now the answer would be who cares i'm not getting silver i'm getting coins 10 seller 10 seller but the question is, but silver then had an inherent value, like today. So if you would melt it down, you would have a larger block of silver. That should be ribis. If you're going to melt the silver into a brick, you're going to have more. So the Gemara clarifies, There was such a case. Guy lent uh, wheat. Give me back ten uh, old, ten sella. Then the coinage changed, and the new coinage was larger so they said that Bezuze, the Agre the Mis, Ad Yud Betanya. So this Argadini, the Arab, he had both the old coins and the new coins. So the way we're going to learn Pshat in Rav Papa and Afuna is they said the following that if eight new ones have the same amount of ten old ones, which means that the increase in the silver is 25%. Why is from 8 to 10? See, from, from 8 to 10 is 25%. Because how much is 25% of 8? 2. So when you add 2 to 8, you get 10. If there is that amount of increase, even though 10 new coins and 10 old coins can only buy the same amount of wheat, but once you hit 25% increase in the silver, here we say ribis on the silver. But if it's not 25%, being that it's not that you made up how much ounces of silver, you made up coins. 10 sellers, 10 sellers. It's not going to buy you more food. Yes, there is an increase, but you're not using this as silver. There, you take and give back the same coinage. 25% not. question is, what's the magic of 25%? So the rush explains that once coins were already 25% more in silver, people actually would melt it down. So if you're going to melt it down and you're going to get it more, that's called ribis. It was not worth to melt it down if you, if you didn't have that additional amount. And therefore you have to know how to apply this today. Today, in the, in the dollar bills, it's mamish irrelevant. But in the silver, you have a gavaldike gemara here. So with this we conclude this ribis issue, emirz Hashem, to be continued.